Welcome back to our study of 2 Kings. We are picking it up in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 24. We covered the first part of chapter 17 last time where Israel was taken into exile because of her sin, uh, especially, specifically, her idolatry. In this part of the chapter, we're going to see what happened in the land of Israel after the people of Israel were taken into exile. There's going to be a new group of people who are going to come and live where Israel had been living. So let's read what happened. Beginning in verse 24, it says, And the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvaim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. All right, so let's just pause there. The people of Israel, uh, their capital is Samaria, and the people of Israel are the ones who've been taken into exile by the Assyrians. And so it is the king of Assyria who then brings people from these foreign nations, places like Babylon, brings these people in to live where the Israelites have been living, in the cities of Samaria. And so there's now foreign people from foreign nations uh, come to take Israel's place as Israel has been carried off to a foreign nation, right, by the Assyrians. Okay, so there's sort of a swap of people going on here. And verse 25 says, And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Okay, this is going to be key for the rest of this chapter. And that is the people dwelling in the land of Israel not fearing the Lord. Okay, so they didn't fear the Lord. It says, Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So there's judgment from God coming upon the people living in the land of Israel because they aren't fearing the Lord. They're not honoring him. So verse 26, So the king of Assyria was told, The nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they are killing them, because they do not know the law of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, Send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there, and let him go and dwell there, and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Now, this uh, this is something that was uh, evidently common in um, ancient times that the people, the different nations had different gods that they worshipped and uh, they associated those different gods with those different pieces of land, with those different locations. And so one of the things that set Israel apart was that the God of Israel was not the God who merely dwelt in Israel. He was the God of all creation. He was the God who made the heavens and the earth. He was not like any of the other gods of the different tribes and peoples and nations. He was the God over all, the God who had made all, the God who was worthy of being worshipped by all, the only true God there really was and is. 
But that's not how most of the people thought at the time. And so when the people who've been moved into the land of Israel are being killed by lions, they think, well, it's because the God who lives in that place uh, is not being honored rightly by those people. So we need someone to teach them what that God requires. And so they send a priest that has been carried off into exile from Israel to go back to Israel to teach the people how to honor the God of Israel so that they aren't devoured by lions anymore. Now, uh, we're not told much about this priest who gets sent back, but given that Israel was just carried off into exile um, and that we just saw uh, recently that the king of Israel was aided in his idolatry by a priest, right, who built an altar based on one that the king had seen in Damascus, uh, rather than the one that God had shown uh, to Moses or told Moses to build. Uh, not a lot of confidence that this priest is going to be super faithful. Now, he might have been, uh, but based on how things turned out uh, and on how things were going beforehand, probably not. But here's what happened. Um, Verse 29, but every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places that the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities in which they lived. The men of Babylon made Sukkoth Benoth, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak. And the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepharvaim. They also feared the Lord and appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So they feared the Lord, but also served their own gods after the manner of the nations from among whom they had been carried away. So a priest comes to teach them how they are supposed to honor the God of Israel, uh, but... What do they keep doing? They keep worshiping their own gods. They worship the gods that uh, they know, right? From their past, from their land, the gods that their people worship. And uh, the fact that the Israelites had all these high places all over the place made it even a little bit easier for them because they had plenty of places that were already designated for worship all over the place. And so they were worshiping their gods just as they had before Yet it says, like in verse 32, they also feared the Lord. Okay, so how does that work? How are they fearing the Lord and also worshiping their God? So that's going to come into even greater tension as we go. But for now, probably all that means is that they have added the worship of the God of Israel to the worship of their own gods. For pagans, that's not a big deal, right? If you've already got a lot, a lot of gods that you worship, you've already got multiple gods, you can add another one. It's not a big deal. But when there's only one God who claims exclusive worship, right, which is what God had revealed about himself to Israel, you need to love me with all your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, have no other gods besides me, right? Then adding even one more God is a very big deal. But for the pagan peoples who have a plethora of gods, you add one more, no big deal. So it seems like they're just worshiping the God of Israel now in some way, in addition to the gods that they are accustomed to worshiping. Now verse 34, to this day, 
They do according to the former manner. Now, to this day refers to the time at which 2 Kings was written. Uh, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but when I was a kid uh, and would read something like that in the Bible, I thought that meant you know, even up to now, but that's not what that means. It just means up to the time this book was written, right, which would have been at least after the Babylonian exile of Judah, which happened in the 500s BC. That's where Second Kings ends, and uh, perhaps a fair amount later than that. Um, not too much later, um, but, uh, you know, could have been, you know, 50 to 100 years even later than that, something along those lines. So, to this day, they do according to the former manner. It says, they do not fear the Lord, and they do not follow the statutes or the rules or the law or the commandment that the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. Now, hold on just a second, right? We were just told in verse 32 that they also feared the Lord, but now verse 34, it says, they do not fear the Lord. Okay, so what is going on here? What seems to be being said? It's obviously not a contradiction. It's only a couple of lines apart, right? He hasn't changed his mind, whoever's writing this, and he hasn't contradicted himself. He hasn't forgotten what he wrote just a couple of verses before. What he seems to be saying is that in some sense they feared the Lord in the sense that they were trying to worship the God of Israel too alongside their other gods, but they didn't truly fear the Lord because to truly fear the Lord would mean to worship Him alone. The way one person put it was like, it's almost as though um, fearing the Lord here can be like in quotes, you know, like they didn't really do it. They feared the Lord. Um, That's a pretty good way to explain what's being said here, I think. Um, They weren't truly fearing God in the biblical sense because um, they were still worshiping their other gods, right? And that's what he's talking about in verse 34. Uh, And he goes on to say that they didn't follow any of God's statutes, his rules, his commandments. Well, how could they, right? They were pagans. Did, Did they even know these things? Well, remember, a priest was sent to teach them these things, to tell them these things. So it goes on to say um, what God had commanded them. Middle of verse 35 says, um, or excuse me, uh, verse 35 says, The Lord made a covenant with them and commanded them, You shall not fear other gods or bow yourselves to them or serve them or sacrifice to them, but you shall fear the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and with an outstretched arm. You shall bow yourselves to him and to him you shall sacrifice. And the statutes and the rules and the law and the commandment that he wrote for you, you shall always be careful to do. You shall not fear other gods, and you shall not forget the covenant that I have made with you. You shall not fear other gods, but you shall fear the Lord your God, and he will deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. So that's what God had told his people Israel, and presumably that's what the priest had said uh, when he had come to teach the people who were now living in Israel, or at least something along those lines. But verse 40 says, however, they would not listen, but they did according to their former manner. Right? So um, I glanced at a commentary about that verse just to kind of see uh, what somebody else said uh, to compare it with what I was thinking it said. And um, one of the things that they said was that verse 40 could be about Israel. It could be saying this is what God told Israel to do, but they didn't do it. And if that's the case, then what seems to be being said here is that Israel did the same thing these nations are doing. So these nations were brought in 
and they are, you know, fearing God, but not really. They're worshiping their other gods, and that's what Israel was doing. They were committing idolatry, and so they're acting the same way Israel did. I take verse 40, though, to be referring to the people, the different nations that have been brought into Israel at this point, and I am assuming that they heard these things from the priest who was sent to teach them, and they didn't listen to him, and they kept doing like they had done before, where they came from, from Babylon and Sepharvim and all those places. Right? Either way, the people now living in Israel, though they're foreigners, are doing the same thing Israel was doing, more or less, which is a further indictment on Israel. You bring in a bunch of pagans, give them one priest uh, to teach them a little bit, and what do they do? They end up doing the same kind of thing that Israel did, worshiping other gods, but also you know, trying to honor the God of Israel a little bit too. Not great. Verse 41, almost done. So these nations feared the Lord and also served their carved images. Their children did likewise, and their children's children, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. Now, there's um, 700 years, roughly, between when this happened and the time of Jesus. And there is five or 600 years um, between when uh, th this book was likely written, right? It, it, this book was written no more than uh, 586 years before Jesus came because that's when uh, the Babylonians took Judah into exile and that's recorded at the end of this book. So you're talking uh, about several hundred years passing between the time this book was written and the time that Jesus came. And yet, I think this passage gives us at least some insight into how the Jews viewed the Samaritans or why they viewed the Samaritans the way that they did. Remember in uh, John chapter 4, when Jesus goes to the well at Samaria and talks to the Samaritan woman, we're told that Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Uh, they didn't get along. The Samaritans had a different understanding of worship than the Jews did. They had a, a common belief in the Messiah, evidently, because the woman says, you know, when Messiah comes, he'll explain all this. But she said, you know, you guys say we need to worship in Jerusalem. Uh, we worship here in Mount Gerizim. You know, which one is it? Uh, so they had different worship practices. Um, they, were, they were separate, distinct groups of people. The Jews didn't really like the Samaritans. Why not? Probably, at least in part, because this is at least in the background of who the Samaritans are. Now, a lot could have changed over that period of time. Uh, I'm not sure how much did or didn't, but it does help us see, I think, kind of where that animosity and disagreement um, and uh, sort of distancing themselves came from. Right? But at this point, uh, reading this book, even without looking ahead to the time of Jesus, where Jesus breaks down these barriers right, and, and goes and talks to the woman at the well and, and calls her to believe in him and to receive life from him because he came not only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but for people from the whole world, right? Samaritans and pagans and people of all kinds. But here, right, it shows us how bad Israel's sin was that when pagan nations were brought in, really not much of anything changed. Because 
Israel was acting like the other nations. They had strayed from the Lord. They had broken covenant with God. They were not acting like his distinctive holy people. They were acting like all the peoples around them. And what's uh, true in the Old Testament is still true today, which is that God requires our full and highest allegiance. He does not share his glory with anybody else. He does not allow us to worship anyone else alongside of him. He wants our whole heart, our whole life. Um, He wants us to have him in the highest place, to give him the highest honor, to have no other gods besides him. And we know now in the New Testament, that means the one God who exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three equally God, all three um, persons distinct, and yet one God, one holy trinity, one true and living God. Our allegiance, our worship, all belongs, uh, our highest allegiance and all of our worship belongs to Him. God bless.